Hi, thanks for tuning in this week. This is Madeline with Embrace the Madness. Uh, this is just a podcast about being a human and dealing with all our human things. Last week, we talked about riding the wave, dealing with the, blah, 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 our emotions, and figuring out how to kind of find that emotional balance so that you're not wasting your energy in all these crazy places. So this week, uh, we're talking about balance, and it's a super cool episode. We're recording professionally with cool equipment, not in my bedroom, with blankets over the windows, and my boyfriend Davis is here, so I'm super excited about that. We're going to talk about balance and what it means to live a balanced life, why you would even want to live a balanced life, and how to achieve the different elements of balance in our lives. And then we're also going to touch on this kind of paradox of self-acceptance, but also striving for perfection and kind of what goes along with that. And balance in relationships and kind of how to maintain your individuality, but also respecting this idea of being in a relationship with someone and yeah, setting boundaries and all those cool things. So without further ado, we're going to talk to Davis. Um, He does a lot of social media marketing and even teaches a guided meditation class. So he's a perfect person to talk to about balance. It's something that we've both kind of admitted to being conscious of dealing with on our lives right now. And as I've shared over the past couple of weeks, I've been a little out of balance and kind of just trying to navigate that and sharing with each other and just staying vulnerable and uh, transparent opening. So yeah. Hey Davis. Hello. What's up? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm super glad you're going to talk. I told him about my podcast with Jordan and he was like, I want to do a podcast. So I was like, yeah, let's talk about balance. And he was like, uh, Okay, so here yeah, we there are. Was, there was the initial initial like ribbing, like, "Oh, you didn't ask me first. And then she's like, "All right, <laughs> well, let's do it." And then I'm like, Ugh. "So disclaimer that I'm feeling a little anxious and a little vulnerable, but He's that's okay. Get it. We're just putting it out there." Yeah, we're just talking on a couch with microphones in our faces. Yeah, it's like a normal conversation, <laughs> just with these metal ice cream cones. <laughs> okay, so tell us your story. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us. Who you are in this human body. Yeah. So I love prefacing my story with saying that you have to wait for the Oprah Book Club for the entire story. Um, I think I have a pretty uh, interesting origin story, um, but we'll kind of just go through some cliff notes. So starting from birth, uh, I was the product of two very loving people, but they lived their life in extremes. Um, They were not very good role models of balance. Um, So I have um, very fond memories early on, like my mom holding me in her arms and saying, "Um, do you know how much I love you? And I would say, more than the stars and the galaxies and the universe. Oh, did you talk like that a little bit? That was baby Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably what I sounded like. I bet. Um, And she's (laughs) like, more than the stars and the galaxies and the universe. Um, And yeah, I remember that being a pretty regular occurrence. Um, And I have a very strong memory from my dad. Um, We were walking up to our porch. We lived on Oakley, born here in Memphis. Um, And my brother pushed me down. You know, we fought. We're brothers. And 
my dad said something to the effect of, hey, don't do that. Um, my brother was like, who cares? And my dad's like, I care. You know, and those two words, like I held on my whole life. Like, I think it's a very valuable experience to understand that you're cared for. And like, you know, that like was distilled into my soul more so than, you know, any other things that he said. So my dad was a medic in Vietnam. You know, the, the story goes, you know, because uh, he passed when I was young. So a lot of his history is just hearsay, you know. Uh, it's been really interesting. Last week or now two weeks ago was my five-year anniversary coming back to Memphis. Hell yeah. And so um, since then I've had a chance to meet some people that were his friends when he lived here and things like that. Anyways, um, the story was that he wasn't a fighter, he was a pacifist, so he decided to be a medic. Uh, which is honorable, but on the other hand, you know, very traumatic to yeah. see his friends, you know, come back in uh, not such great shape. You can only imagine. Um, so that created some profound PTSD in him. Uh, he had a drinking problem even before Vietnam. Um, I was told that he started drinking when he was eight years old. Um, so going back, his dad played trumpet in a big band, which is cool because I played trumpet growing up in middle school and high school and like didn't know that I had some genetic trumpet playing. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, but just like he and his little brother were left to their own devices and so got into trouble and started drinking super, super early. And so... Dang, like where would they even get it? That's so weird to ugh. think about. <laughs> well, it's like... I guess back then there's not as much regulation. Yeah, like I guess the 60s maybe. Um yeah. yeah, and, you know, if kids aren't parented, they find a way of getting into trouble. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> kind of, you already had an issue, and this traumatic experience only exacerbated that. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, uh, had a drinking problem and just had completely different issues with uh, her mental health and things of that nature. So, um while they were very loving and sweet on one hand, on the other hand, you know, just incredibly destructive. So um, all that to say created a lot of trauma and a lot of hurt in my life. And so my attempt to create balance against that was the complete opposite. Wanted endless pleasure, anything. You've talked about this. Give me the dopamine. Exactly. Anything that was difficult uh, was just off the table. Yeah. Um, a lot of learned helplessness and um, learned how to kind of numb out. And so it's really interesting. So um, I mentored a 17-year-old two years ago through Youth Villages and obviously protecting his identity. But uh, he had been through similar situations and it was really mind-blowing to see his tendencies, his like addictive nature. And I'm like, wow, I was exactly like that. You Ooh, know? So like a mirror almost? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Like we would go to um, Dave and Buster's and whatever, and he was so just intent on, which by the way, side note, Dave and Buster's is basically just a casino for children. Dude, Chuck E. Cheese, like I cannot like not spend money there. Yeah. Too much money. Um, but he was so focused on the tickets and getting yeah. stuff. and To get fucking like Laffy Taffies and stupid stuff. Oh, the Chinese finger traps? <laughs> yeah, like what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. Ugh. 
but I won 1,500 tickets. Exactly. Okay, sorry, go on. No, you're good. Um, you were talking about him kind of being a mirror for your tendencies. Well, so essentially, right, and it was very like materialistic based. You know, yeah, we had yeah. a set amount of money to do activities, and he's like, oh, can I save up for an iPod? Can we do this? Can we do this? You know, it was, uh, I could see his like graspy nature. Um, and that, like, I carry that pervasive dis-ease. I wouldn't say disease, but, like, disease. Right. Um, and the second, I wasn't absorbed. So addicted tendencies, whether, whether it was playing Game Boy, like, eight hours straight, or TV, you know, like, our, our mom would have to go to work during uh, the summer, and my brother and I would play GameCube from the second she left to the second she came back. And she could always tell... A, because like the GameCube was like super hot, and B, our <laughs> eyes were just like glazed over, and we looked like um, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, and so um, having these addictive habits is something that I struggled with really early on, um, and so I think around twenty twenty one twenty two, like self improvement became an idea. You know, like the seeds were planted. I would literally Google like how to be happy. You know, let's let's just start there, Um, which is great. You know, very positive that I even had that idea to Mm -hmm. want to change. But um, at the start, it was very tyrannical. You know, like you better get your shit together, kid, and you better do it quick. (laughs) Or I would write down like 50 different things that I was going to do tomorrow, you know, that basically a very unrealistic idea of how I was going to get myself back into balance. And I think that's pretty normal for folks to, I think it takes a while and some life experience to understand like these things take a very long time to change. Yeah. Um, All that to say I'm like 28 now and I feel like I'm just now starting to see the fruits of my labor. Um, So it was like um, people like Tony Robbins Dale Carnegie, uh, Eckhart Tolle, and then uh, eventually the Dalai Lama, kind of like a spiritual um, self-improvement slant. And there was a point at which I beat myself up that I was just absorbing, 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 and never like do anything about it. Like, yeah. oh, that sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. Um, but looking back, I think that's still important to For have sure. uh, to have an idea of what self-improvement and self perfection, all that could be. Um, I definitely think that self-improvement came way before self-acceptance. You know, I was still in a state where I will be happy with myself if I will be happy with myself when. Right, right. And that's never healthy. (laughs) Exactly. And so (laughs) not to say that I have split personality disorder or anything, but like you and I have joked about it, but I feel like there's like three modalities to me. So Davison, (laughs) he is the tyrant. He is very ego driven. He seeks self perfection. Um, Also kind of on the other end of it, like I guess the traditional nature, like that's the devil on my shoulder. That's the one that I'm never good enough, but also like, I deserve to, I don't have to do anything, that um, everything should be easy. You know, kind of like I love when that negative voice comes in, kind of 
literally changing it into a baby voice. (laughs) I don't want to go to work today. Yeah. I don't want to have to try to do things that are hard that might make me feel better and make me feel accomplished. Yeah. Um, So that's Davison. And then Dave is like my higher self. Dave is the coolest. He uh, is balanced. He understands what he's doing. Um, He has a clear path forward. And Davis is somewhere in the middle, (laughs) continually in the balance of those two. I feel like you're a lot closer to Dave than you think you are, though. Totally. I mean, it's always hard to, like, look at yourself and be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing a good job. But right. I think you are. But, like, the origins of Dave, he seems so incredibly far away that it right. just wasn't going to happen. Um, so all that to say, I got a audiobook on meditation because, you know, through just internet forums and Googling, understanding that, like, maybe this is a pursuit that would be helpful um, and through that kind of segued into studying Buddhism, which has been immeasurably beneficial to my life. Oh, yeah. So I was raised Christian, uh, which I have no qualms with the religion whatsoever. You know, I, I did have some kind of like anger growing up or just confusion that if a child was born in China and if they die, where do they go? Um, and talking about balance today, it seems that, and obviously this is an oversimplification, but Christianity lives in the extremes. Like you either have eternal salvation or eternal damnation. You better get your act right, brother, because right? you're going to one of them. That um, sounds like Davison's voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. We talked about personifying our lower selves and what voices they would have. Yeah. I'm not really sure what mine would be, but. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's like... Uh, baby Davison that just wants eternal comfort and then like daddy Davison <laughs> you better you better straighten up and fly brother right. brother um, yeah so Buddhism is literally the middle way um, and so the practice from Buddhism that I extracted is called shamatha so that is the practice of meditation that I most often do myself, and that's what I facilitate. I try to avoid saying teach because I don't have any accreditation. I'm not a monk or anything like that. Like I create space for folks. This practice has really helped me, and so I use that to hopefully help others. And so, yeah, the the rough English translation is peaceful abiding. And so the practice is you'll focus on an object, and in this instance and in most all instances your object is the breath any point in which your uh, focus falls off the breath it goes into a thought it goes into a distraction from outside it's uh, your hunger and like what you should eat and it's funny too because in our day-to-day lives we're also so fast moving that once we have a second to sit then like all this information starts pouring in like oh you forgot this did you right. do this like and there's certainly a time in which having brain dumps and having these the space to um, just kind of let your mind be free is great. But in this situation, any time a thought arises, we just notice that it's happening and let it go. And so it is the, for me personally, the perfect practice for balance and that you're not too tight, you're not too loose. 
you're neither holding on to thoughts, you're not pushing them away. You're acknowledging them, you're saying, hey, what's up? And then just letting them pass. Bye. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so in preparing for this podcast, I was like, oh, it'll be easy. You know, it's just balance. And then the other day we sat down to actually talk about it and I realized like what a massive subject this is. Yeah. And also that like this is my main pursuit in life is balance. Um, <laughs> and I'm somewhat of a walking contradiction in the sense that I sell beer, which if not managed properly can absolutely send you out of balance, you know, and there's um, some guilt and like I've always wrestled with the fact that I have alcoholism in my family and that's a fact, you know, and so where is the line between I work for this wonderful company and we're right. a, uh, a positive cultural force in the city and really have an opportunity to do a lot of good in addition to just making money with these folks and the f- I lost my train of thought it's okay bye <laughs> <laughs> um you're talking about just wanting to make sure you like maintain balance with Right, so, yeah, yeah, uh, that, sorry, that's alcohol. where I was going. Right, so it's a great company run by two wonderful people. I really love working for them. Like, they support me, they trust me. I feel like I'm my only obstacle, and I've worked so many jobs where that was not the case. Right. It was, it was coworkers, it was a boss, it was just the work itself that just did not jive with me. And so all that, like, fantastic company on one hand. On the other hand... Kind of selling poison. so Dude, I mean, working at a bar is the same thing. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm the one, like, handing it to them. And, like, who knows what's happening after that. Totally. But I just think being present and mindful and just, like, I mean, that's all we can do unless we just, like, get a different job, you know? Right. We can at least, like, share our love and energy where they might not get that, like, going to a gas station or something, you know? Totally. Because I feel like, I feel like that's what a lot of people do, like going to a bar, like they want, they're, they're looking for connection. They might not know it, but I don't know. I try to think about that. Well, it's interesting that they, Madeline doesn't like when I say they, because I don't think you can just put that on me. (laughs) You don't like they either. They being any statistic that we don't know the name of. Yeah, they, as an, an undergrad, did this one study and posted it on Psychology Today, and I pull it off and I say it. But please. What did they say, Davis? Yeah, listen. What did they say? Look it up, listeners. They say that <laughs> the life expect- expectancy of drinkers is actually longer than non-drinkers. And it's not due to the fact that they're putting poison in their body. It's due to the fact that they have secure social relationships. Mm, interesting. And I'm sure there is a study that would absolutely refute that. But I thought it was interesting to read. And maybe it was uh, funded by Budweiser or the Probably. company. But <laughs> maybe not. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that I, I, I think if I can look at it in a loving way and understand that um, neither is necessarily right because, you know, there are pitfalls to even being in meditation that I think that, and I found, um, and no judgment whatsoever, but through um, 
my yoga community, there can be the trap of kind of being holier than thou, kind of distancing yourself from folks. Um, there's been folks that I've talked to that feel that like hosting yoga classes at a brewery is like sacrilegious and there might be like a sense of pretentiousness that comes with the healing arts. So I try to come at it as humbly as possible um, to understand that I'm just as flawed as everybody else and that in this present moment, I'm able to find balance between going to meditation classes, teaching meditation, going to yoga classes, but also going out and grabbing a beer afterwards. I think, yeah. you know, there's, there's value to both. Definitely. Yeah. And also I think the healing arts in general can find its way into be a vice of like, I use essential oils, but I also eat pizza and get drunk all the time. So wait, what do you mean? Like, like using that to justify. Right. Uh, or yeah. let me rephrase. It's almost as if you're living two separate lives. And maybe this is just my judgment on those people, but like seeing folks in the studio and they're all calm and po- poised and then seeing them out at the bar and they're like, wow. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I haven't been that person either, but it's definitely something that <laughs> it's helpful, wow. <laughs> helpful to be mindful of. You know what I'm talking about? No, I know. It was just, that was a funny sound. You want, you want me to do it again? Please. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've probably thought about that too. And yeah, there's a lot of judgment that can happen, but I try not to do that Yeah, if I'm like conscious of it. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, right? Once again, balance. Yeah. We're trying to um, find the ways in which we can... Um, do both. Gain value from both, yeah. I think it's great. I th- I'm glad that you shared all those things. Yeah. Thanks for being vulnerable. Totally. Oh, and I guess to kind of just sum up the my story, I did kind of on some level live happily ever after. Um, I got adopted by two loving parents when I was 11. My brother was 13. And um, it was really helpful that, yes, this crazy trauma happened and I went through the foster care system and it was um, just so much just not knowing what's going on and no stability whatsoever to at least finishing like developmental childhood years with people that loved me and cared for me and that were emotionally yeah, stable. That's so good. Yeah. Obviously, you know, not perfect and they all have their things and I was angsty teenager and maybe didn't appreciate them at the time, but I appreciate them now. And if you're listening, mom and dad, I love you. Oh yes. I was thinking of what you were saying and like, I can't remember. I think I was listening to a podcast about perfectionism, but like growing up in an environment like that's super high stress makes you like crave that, you know, like crave that like uncertainty and stuff. And so I feel like. What do you mean by that? Like, like, I don't really know how to explain it. Um, Maybe like, uh. Like, it, like getting addicted to a drug or something. Like, 
Like if that, that like seems if, normal. Like like my parents just before they got divorced just didn't get along and I feel like there was just like a lot of chaos. But like I grew up where that was normal. And so I find myself now sometimes mindlessly creating chaos to mirror what I'm used to. You know no, what I mean? Totally. Like chaos is like my baseline. And so I'm like having to re evaluate what that means now because that's not I mean, I don't want to like live in chaos forever. Right. Like I want to find balance and I want to like chill out and it, it, your story just like remi- made me think of that. Totally. Like you want your outside landscape to mirror your inside landscape. And if your inside landscape is full of shit and misery and unhappiness, you unconsciously or consciously create that Yeah. in your outside life. Yeah. And with the friends you choose and the people you surround yourself with and the choices you make. For sure. Yeah, Um, thanks for sharing all that. Sorry, what? Oh, I was just telling the listeners I'm nodding. He's nodding. Um, So, yeah, thanks for sharing all that, Davis. Well, now that we've kind of started talking about balance, we can kind of define what that means um, for us. So I just kind of start thinking about, like, science, like equilibrium, homeostasis, just finding that level point. Um, And the dictionary says a state where things are of equal weight or force. Mm -hmm. It's like, I guess it's like, I don't, I can visualize it, but it's hard to put words into what balance means. Right. Well, we looked up the etymology and it's Latin for by lengths is the. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my podcast. (laughs) Thanks y'all. See you next week. Sorry, you can finish. Um, which is Latin for two scale pans. So it really is like it's talking about a scale, you know, like a Libra, the horoscope, the. Yeah. Their symbol is the scale. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's where it comes from. So maybe yeah. we should talk to a Libra about balance. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> He's shaking his head. No. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I like the equilibrium. I like the homeostasis. I like to, I'm very much like explain it like I'm five person. And so I think of these. Oh yeah, Reddit reference. Yeah. I think of the Goldilocks and the three bears. Not, this one's too hot. This one's too cold. This one's just right. And it's crazy that we live in. Don't they call this it like it's a Goldilocks planet? Like so many things. Oh yeah, like just enough good conditions. Yeah. Just enough good conditions. Yeah. To support life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that when you said that earlier. Yeah. So talking about balance, why would you even want to? Um, and I feel like there's a lot of studies just that show, you know, they say. Um that it just promotes well-being and health and peace of mind and stuff like that. And I feel like if you're living out of balance, you're just living in these two extremes and kind of going back to my last episode, just dealing with two very different sides of the emotional spectrum. is just like a lot of energy. And I feel like if you're if you're like always like manic or you're always like down and depressed, like there's just like a lot of energy that's going, I don't even know where it's going, but 
I feel like you can conserve and save a lot of energy by trying to create this balance, if that makes sense. Totally. Well, it's like the every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. And I like to think of balance as, you know, sometimes the pendulum that if you want to get strung, strung out far one way, just understand it, it's going to come back the other way. Yeah. And so that can be either in a self-deprecating way that like you're going to pay for this, you know, kind of I think drinking is a good example of like if you want to have the time of your life drinking, you're going to pay for it the next day with a hangover. Or you could see it in a positive way that if you feel really strung out, just having faith and having love with yourself, then understand like this too will come back into a state of order. It's just so hard to like remember that in the moment sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I was thinking about that too, that like, you know, the emotional states I struggle with, with depression and anxiety, both of them, when you're in the throes of it, feel permanent. Like, so for depression, it's like, I'm going to be sad forever. Right. When is this going to end? And anxiety is like, I'm going to be wound up tight. Yeah. Forever. It's like all consuming. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I think I'm just talking about. Like when you're living in that, you're just overwhelmed with all that energy. And I guess just thinking of the best consumption of energy and living like a conscious life is just to like conserve it. Totally. And so, and like thinking and preparing for this, it's like my pursuit of balance can sometimes be likened to the five stages of grief, like kind of, sort of. So first would be denial. Like I'm not out of balance. I'm doing great. What are you talking about? I'm having a great time. You know, I'm going out every night, having fun with people Nothing, you know, it's like uh, the signs are like, hey, cliff ahead, and you just keep on driving. Yeah. You're like, ah, no, we're cool. Um, And then with that, it's like, uh, one more won't hurt, you know, or the thought is, I can always figure this out tomorrow, you know, kind of procrastination. We can talk about that in a bit, but like that's something huge I struggle with in the pursuit of balance is my tendency to procrastinate. Um, and then third would be like deservedness. Like I deserve this 18th beer. I don't drink 18 beers listeners, but you get what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) and, and with that, the deservedness, knowing the difference between self-care and self-destruction. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes I have a flawed reward system that makes me feel like once again, that I deserve these things that ultimately aren't part of self-care. They're just self-absorption and self-destruction ultimately. And so then it's frustration. Like once the party ends, it's like that's when the self-deprecation comes out. Like how dumb could you have been to do blah, blah, blah with blah, blah, blah. Like you knew this was going to happen, which when it was happening, yes, I did. But like just deciding to like, "Mm, it's not a big, you know, like shrug it off. Um, And so I would say frustration is not necessarily anger these days. I think it's more so just here we go again. Um, But the, especially for me, like past couple of years, like my um, self-deprecation negativity in general has greatly diminished. I'm super grateful that I put in the work to make that happen. Um, And then acceptance. So 
um, speaking it out loud to whether it's to myself or to a loved one, you know, like a trusted friend, um, being like, hey, I'm feeling depressed right now. I don't need you to do anything about it. I just need you to know that I'm feeling depressed. And I think the moment that I'm able to be honest with myself and that other person and say it, it starts the healing process. Yeah, and so one of my favorite meditation teachers, Ram Das, he talks about how saying, I am feeling depressed instead of I am depressed helps you kind of separate yourself from, you're no longer completely identifying with the negative emotion. It's just same with the meditation. You know, it's like this is happening, I notice it, and then I go back to my breath. Um. And then, so I will say there's, there's one more step, you know, acceptance is great. You know, I think um, the five stages of grief ends at acceptance. I'm not well versed on the, grief, Anyways, the grief. I would say the good grief. Right. The next step after that would be action. So acceptance is wonderful. That's fantastic. But then actually putting a practice into place that helps you get back into balance. Um, so doing self-care that I know helps as well as not expecting immediate results. So not just like, you know, because it's taken me, sometimes it takes me like a couple weeks to get into a nice, nice good rut, you know, nice to be. Um, yeah, before you realize where in, you are. In the muck, yeah, where like the mud is up to my neck before I'm like. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, or the, yeah, the quicksand, however you want to use the metaphor. It's like, oh, this is cool. It's I got this. Um, yeah. And then sometimes it takes a hot minute to work yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think I've also found myself in the trap of like the second I feel relief, I'm like, all right, cool. I can go back to doing that thing. Right. You're like, okay, I've dealt with this emotion. Let's yep. go. Back to pizza. Back to pizza. So in looking at the different ways balance manifests in our life, we were kind of talking about just like different elements. So like physical, individual, careers, relationships and that's like family too friends what else what else spiritual I think that's an important balance um but really just like looking at how those manifest and kind of assessing where you're at in each one so I think probably the most important is individual balance and just kind of like your awareness of how well you're taking care of yourself and at least for me personally, I think that's probably the most important balance just because the relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship you have in your whole existence. So I think when you get out of balance with that, then it kind of gets a little wonky. And I was thinking, I don't know, just self-compassion is just super, super important because like you were sharing, like it's easy to like fall off track, but it kind of depends on how you start addressing like okay well I fell off track but that's not a good or bad thing it just is a thing that happened and remembering that and not like over identifying with negative thought patterns to keep that going yeah for me nowadays it's the term I use is like rigorous self-analysis and I feel like I'm finally at a place where I can have that self-analysis and not immediately beat myself up for everything that I'm not doing. Yeah. Which I've done my whole life. Right. So. Um, And I will say it's like understanding 
some things just can't be balanced. You know, if there's a very... What do you mean? Like if there's a really destructive person in your life or if you have a very destructive habit. Like Oh, like knowing that under- it's time to like cut them off. Right. Sometimes yeah. it's the balance for you yourself and not maybe in this particular situation is to let that go. Yeah. Or let that person go. Well, and I think that introduces the other important thing about uh, balance is like maintaining your boundaries and setting those and making sure those are super clear so that it's really hard. I know, but it's possible. You just got to (laughs) practice. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk about anything else with the individual? Yeah. um, Kind of just understanding that it's normal to lean on your strengths. Um, I think it's easy to um, look at all the things you're not doing well at and kind of like, once again, um, making a whole list of things, reasons why you shouldn't be satisfied with where you are and who you are. Um, but using self-compassion is ultimately the way to go. Um, and I think what I still struggle with when it comes to self-balance is knowing the difference between um, being mindful that this that the self-love doesn't become overly like doughy is the way I like to describe it. What do you mean? Um, once again, like the uh, um, self-care versus self-destruction, like understanding that, yeah, it's okay to take an afternoon off to watch a couple episodes of Netflix and to play some video games, but maybe it's not okay to continue to do that for four straight hours and stay up past the bedtime that I told myself would be a good idea right. to wake up early the next day and to get things done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Boundaries with yourself are the hardest ones for me. I don't think so. You're good at it. I th- well, you're I would good s- at like being like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm getting better. Certainly. Yeah. I think it's still more difficult for if someone asked me to do something that I'm not immediately like saying yes before I even consider right. my, my time and my schedule and things like that. It literally happened today. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting better at that, but still like keeping myself accountable and following a schedule and saying, okay, I need to do this. And then actually executing that. I'm still, still working on that. Yeah. And like, I think when I started seeing that in positive role models of people putting themselves first, that I took it kind of personally, um, whether it came in the form of folks just I'm trying to find a good example like making plans with someone and then them saying sorry I actually need to focus on myself and me not being butthurt about it you know or like but we had plans man like you're supposed to commit to it no matter what I feel like when you learn to give yourself that space you're more likely to be like, oh my God, yeah, please take care of yourself. Totally. And that's where I'm at now. For sure. Um, but I even had some folks that it felt as if like they let me go when I started like my self-care journey because I think they knew where I was and they knew that there was nothing they could do for yeah. me. You know, and that kind of hurt my feelings because I didn't understand it at the, at the moment. Yeah. I was like, why aren't, what, what happened? Like, what did I do? And obviously it's nothing you did wrong, but it's almost as if, and I can, I've identified this in others recently as like when you, 
start to understand that there is a way for you to love yourself and there's a way to improve yourself that it almost becomes manic. It's like, oh man, this is so exciting and like, oh yeah, I'm really pumped about life for the first time ever. Dopamine. Yeah. Yeah. Serotonin too. It's great. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, maintaining individual balance. What up? <laughs> I saw the most awesome metaphor that I think for this entire podcast kind of encapsulates the seeing balances self balances like a tree. So the, the taller you grow and higher your branches get, the deeper your roots have to be as well. And so if we're talking, and I was getting a little bit ahead, but if we're talking like spiritual balance and we're talking, um, trying to enter into higher and higher states of consciousness, that to do that, we have to become more and more grounded. No, I really appreciate that metaphor too. And I think getting into the spiritual element of balance, I think being grounded is so important. And I kind of lost my train of thought too. (laughs) Well, I've had, I've experienced practices like, uh, specifically like kundalini yoga. It's very energetic base. And I've left states, or I've left yoga classes in just like such a high blissful state that couldn't be touched. And then like the second somebody cuts me off as yeah. I'm driving home, I'm like completely <gasps> destroyed. Like, yeah. yeah. And so I think for me, the meditation is very grounding like the meditation I practice. And so, but if you're always grounded all the time and mm, maybe I don't go there. I mean, I feel like grounded is pretty synonymous with balance. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Well, I was trying to come up with a thought pattern of like, if you're always grounded that like maybe Mom, I'm always grounded. How am I supposed to hang out with my friends? Man, I was grounded so much in high school. I know. I remember. uh, It was like for not turning in homework because I procrastinated and I got zeros. My my dad would like leave my phone in his room with the door open and I would just like go in there. What? Like I would get my phone taken away, but I would just go like You break the rules? Duh. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I think when I think of spiritual balance, I just remember to take a moment to uh, be grateful for my existence and just appreciate the things that are around me. And I feel like if you're out of balance kind of spiritually, then you're not really like maintaining that relationship with yourself and whatever you believe your higher power to be or the universe or whatever. And I feel like that is just, I don't know, the opposite of grounded (laughs) manic. I don't know. Well, yeah, we were also talking about, not to get too morbid, but it seems like with spiritual balance, it's understanding that no matter what spiritual belief you subscribe to, it's a fact that you will no longer be on this earth one day. And it's up to each individual to come up with they're being okay with what happens after that. Right. Um, but I think that's certainly part of spiritual balance too. I think know, so too. Whether to... it's meeting your maker or turning into a frog in the next life or 
turning into a ball of light or turning into a cheeseburger. I don't know. You got to embrace the madness. Mm. Um, so <laughs> trademark, what? registered trademark of Madeline Holtford, copyright. I don't know if I've registered it, but maybe that's, a, that's a goal. Ugh. Um, so then there's also maintaining a career. Can I go back real quick? Yeah. We just <laughs> need to like, are we going too slow? A little bit. Okay. Um, I'm like over here like, Ugh! We still have a lot to talk about, so Davis is just super stoked to get to well, I thought I talk in a, a microphone. I thought I wouldn't have enough to talk about. Now it's like, all right. Yeah, you made, right. like, that outline is never more than two pages. But bam, bam, bam. Okay, real Davis quick. Davis did his homework. Um, what little I know about Taoism, I think that they have a beautiful representation of spiritual balance, and it's in the yin and the yang symbol. Uh, it's funny. We were talking about going and getting uh, prizes at Chuck E. Cheese and places like that. I don't remember where we were, but my brother bought a yin and yang uh, necklace with his tickets and he wore it to church one so day. So 2000s. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, he wore it to church one day and he got like raised the eyebrows from the preacher. He's like, I don't know about that. Looks that looks pretty Eastern to me. Right, right, right. That might be devil stuff. And like my mom made him not ever wear it again. But anyways, so... <laughs> It's the yin and the yang, the white and the black. It represents order and chaos. So there is a, I believe the white paisley is yin, which is like the order. And then the black paisley is chaos. The like black's it, like, ooh. But it's beautiful. Coloring in that, a pencil in the air. Sorry, I was trying to like give a visual to the people who can't see me like, ooh. You can definitely, you can, you can hear it now. Um <laughs> But there is a white dot and the black paisley and a black dot and the white paisley saying that like you cannot have too much of either. You know, there must be some order to chaos and there must be some chaos to order. And I think that's just so beautiful. Yeah, I like it too. Okay, that's all I can say about that. It's good. I'm glad you said it. It's yeah. important. Cool. And that's like, <laughs> that's the root of my current existence, you know, <clears throat> order and right. chaos. And all right. Aspects. Learning to embrace both and recognize that they're both kind of part. Like you can't have one without the other. You can't have light without darkness. You can't have. Dave and Davidson. Salt without pepper. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but it's relevant. Yeah. So. Another big element that I think we both have to be careful of is like a career, balancing your career and your home life and kind of setting boundaries around that. And for me, I think making sure you're doing something fulfilling kind of helps cultivate balance. That way you're not like working yourself to death and doing something that you hate and completely just like bleh. but instead just finding meaning and purpose in your work and enjoying it and also getting paid to do it too and yeah making sure you maintain that balance between work and home life just because there's a lot of boundaries that 
come into play and I'm always the first one to be like oh yeah I can pick up your shift even though it means I'm working like six days a week and then I'm just like why the fuck did I just do that I'm exhausted and or like letting my when I was a manager at a restaurant like I just you kind of have to be 24 7 always like approving schedule swaps or requests or working on stuff to talk about the next day I preach it and it's just like you really have to be good at setting those boundaries so that you can relax and enjoy your life outside of work and not like work 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 because I think then you're kind of like searching for never-ending validation and approval through your work and productivity and stuff and I know you're like Wanting to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it? Oh, I do. I wasn't letting you do your thing. What I was going to add was just that I think it's easy to fall into the trap of wake up, go to work. You're tired after work. You don't want to do anything. So you just turn on the TV. You eat junky food. Pizza. We love you, but we hate you, pizza. I don't know why Davis just said we hate you because he's talking. <laughs> Madeline does not subscribe to this. I love pizza. I struggle with forever. pizza. Anyways, um, <laughs> and then either staying up late or drinking and then waking up the next day hungover and repeating the cycle yeah. ad infinitum, you know, forever and ever and ever. That it takes like that extra spurt of energy to make time for creative outlets and self-care and things like that. Um, and I think that they cumulatively um, pay dividends, whether it's in a positive way or a negative way. Does that make sense? What pays dividends? Pizza? Either pizza. My stomach just growled, so I'm like, pizza. Either pizza or like going home and um, exercising for five minutes. Yeah. Um, I love, so Tim Ferriss is one of my favorite podcasters. He started as like a human optimizer was his whole thing was like created the four hour chef four hour body four hour week he's like how can we become most efficient and now it's really interesting because this podcast has so much more to do with like self-acceptance and things of that nature and um i don't even know if it's his quote he might have quoted it from someone else but he says like if at first you don't succeed lower your expectations i like that a lot yeah i've so had to do, learn how to do that do less don't beat yourself up do but do something yeah and that's so, why I think, what? <laughs> well, and I think this pertains to the career only in the sense of which trying to maintain that work-life balance. That it's easy to get overwhelmed and be like, I can't do that, I gotta work. Oh yeah, I say that a lot. <laughs> and yeah, and well, it's easy to see there's so many people that are incredibly successful in work life and miserable at home. And I think our generation as millennials, we're taking a stand against, we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to have a job that can make us money as well as be fulfilling. We don't want to wait for the weekend or wait until we're off to enjoy our lives. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's an important thing because I think it's possible. You just have to get really specific and figure out what you want. Right. And also it's just not really obtainable anymore, you know, and our parents' generation, they could stay with one company their entire life, get retirement benefits and then finish. But it's not, it's not really the case anymore. Yeah. 
So moving on to physical balance. And this is something I think that I still am working to get good at. But just like we have to not really put our body in these crazy extremes. And we just have to make sure we take care of it by the things that we eat and some sort of physical activity. You don't have to like go do CrossFit every day. But I feel like using our body for like functionality versus just like completely just like trashing it is really important. And I have to be careful sometimes because I'll just go on binges and like all I want to do is eat ice cream and drink and whatever, whatever. But that's not good. That's not good for my health. That's not good for the long term. That's not good for the short term either. Like, yeah. Right. Same same thing. It's like it can cumulatively work against you over time because if you're not feeding your body good food, you're not going to have the energy to want to feed your body good right. food, you know, kind of go down that spiral. Well, and then I feel like if you're not, I think I might have touched on this in the last one, but like you don't even, it's like you're not properly allocating energy for your emotions. So then like, why do you think you're irritable? Why do you think you're sad? Oh, because you like... It's like not taking your dog out for a walk. Like your body's just like, I want to go for a walk. I'm tired. I want to like get energy too. And I think making sure you just really like learn to listen to your body and listen to how you're feeling and figuring all that out to find that balance. Totally. Yeah. And what's really helped me is that like I exercise and I run and do yoga, not so that I can have a six pack and be oiled up and tanned it's more so like I understand that physical activity has cognitive benefits to it oh, I yeah. feel better when I exercise you know and I, I had to kind of reframe it that way too and we were talking about this right before that like sure self-worth and energy shouldn't be put in the same category but like energy having additional energy to do things is is fun I really enjoy having like yeah. an authentic energy, not just caffeine. Right. Yeah, I think I was looking at something for the emotional regulation and it was talking about there's like mental energy and physical energy. And like, yeah, you can have physical energy, but if you're like dead inside and miserable, then you're going to have low mental energy and just kind of like learning when to assess Like you could be really stoked that you just ran a marathon, but your body is just shot and just noticing the difference between those two types of energies and balancing those. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, well, like the workaholic can just as easily transfer over to the exerciseaholic. Oh yeah, for sure. Just completely immersing yourself and like, yeah. Yeah. Like I did track and cross country in high school and at one point I would never say I had like an eating disorder, but it got to the point where like I counted calories and looked at calorie boxes for everything. It's such a, like you just get sucked in. Like how many macros have I had today? Not enough. Macros? Like they break down protein, carbs, and fat. And you want to- Macronutrients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just call them macros. Like I think it's, yeah. Like you want to eat more protein, less, like I think maybe like more protein- 
it just, it really just depends for what you want. Like if you want to cut body fat, if you want to build muscle, they like, there's different macros and then also for different body types and weights, you can do it. So are you saying macaroni? No. Is it like nachos, but macros? Four. I'm going to keep talking forever. No, I'm not talking about macaroni. You're making me hungry. Stop. (laughs) So I guess that brings us to the last kind of uh, element of balance. And I feel like that's relationships. And that can be manifested through friends, family, significant others, just any interaction you're having with other people. And I think we kind of talked about like your social life and balancing that and just like making sure you make times to be so make time to be social and hang out with your friends and visit, but then also like maintaining your boundaries and remembering to kind of respect your alone time and just kind of navigating that whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I would say for me personally that the boundaries with my family is the most difficult. I think they're difficult for everybody. Yeah, because there's a sense of obligation. I think my family... So much emotional manipulation, too, if you're not careful. Right. There's there's codependence. Yeah. There's obligation. There's a sense of, like, martyrdom. I think for my family in particular, we love to repress things. Like Join the club. The energy it would take to have an uncomfortable conversation or resolve it once and for all, which is handling it in a balanced way, just is so incredibly difficult. And I've like created boundaries with my friends and like the family that I choose, you know, because on some level that's what I see my friends as. I don't allow a certain level of negativity or self-deprecation or things like that, but with family... Just gotta right. You're like I'm supposed to love are. you. Like mm-hmm. I'm a bad person if I don't love you, even though you're effing toxic and crushing my soul. And yeah, and the ways in which we cope with that comes out in like very weird, and yeah, kind of yucky ways. Super yuck. Super. Yeah, I think. Yeah, especially with family. Just maintaining your boundaries and like kind of protecting your energy and your aura and just like, yes, I love you and yes, I respect you. But like, holy shit, like I'm cutting off right here and maybe we can talk another day or something like that. And like I was saying, getting my feelings hurt with friends that establish boundaries, I think in an attempt to establish boundaries with my loved ones, it's like it's an attack, you know, they take it personally, which sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to like, and it's hard to explain that it's not personal. Well, cause I, I mean it like it kind of is, but I don't know. Yeah. And then my, the alternative to that is just to distance myself and not tell them why I'm distancing myself. Oh, yeah, and so ghosting. they feel estranged. Yeah. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard, like, when you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Yeah. So I think 
setting those boundaries with your family and friends is important, but then getting into like the territory of your significant other is super important. Hey, I'm adding you. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's something that I've really struggled with is just setting boundaries and like not letting them be kind of blurred and just non-existent. And I've lost myself and who I was because I just like devoted all this energy to perfecting this idea of a relationship or whatever, or, you know, doing that. And same so hard. Like I finally got to a point where I realized that I enjoy putting in a lot of effort on the front end. I enjoy the kind of satisfaction that comes with being someone's knight in shining armor, you know, that... Yeah, like um, your identity. Right. Or just saying everything's cool all the time and then when things start to not be cool, not know how to articulate that and then... Once again, same with the family. If I repress that emotion for long enough, eventually it's going to come out and it's probably not going to be pretty when it does. Yeah. And then they're going to feel blindsided and they're going to say, like, I don't know where this came from. And I'm going to say, I'm so sorry that you don't know where this came from, but I can't do this anymore. Sorry. Yeah. That's a thing. Well, because you just spend so much time, like, letting it, like, blah, blah, blah in your head. And then it's like, you're just like, I can't take it anymore. I got to go, boy. Right. Yeah. And it's, well, we're in a very unique situation that I think for both of us, this is, we're making a very conscious attempt to maintain balance. Totally. Like have that be established first and foremost, like on the front end. I think it's good because I think we've kind of talked before this a little bit, um, but just like, being codependent and having these blurred boundaries and doing things to make other people happy and all these things. And yeah, they talk about it in AA. It's the only thing I can do for you is work on myself. The only thing you can do for me is work on yourself. Yeah. And while I understand that, like logically it's very tough in practice Mm -hmm. to take that to heart. Well, I mean, and when you grow up kind of having to be the emotional support system for others, it's like when you are an adult, you're like, oh, I'm responsible for your emotions, but you're not. And having to like come to terms with that and, oh, look, I've been doing all this my whole life and I don't even know how to emotionally support myself. Yeah. And that's where I find myself, and I'm like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Totally. And so, like, I was the youngest, and I, so it was everyone else's job to be the emotional support system. It wasn't mine. And then, so when I started dating, it's like, I'll try this on for a minute. You know, like, I'll wear this emotional support jacket. This is pretty cool. And then be like, oh, wait, this is actually really hard. Oh, wait. Yeah, like you weren't even taught how. Right. I'm neglecting everything that would give me energy to continue being an emotional support. Um, So if I can, like, reference a different podcast. So once again, Tim Ferriss talks to Brene Brown. This is a recent episode. Are you jumping? No, this is the same thing. Okay. 
So it's talking about, she's talking about in marriage, but I think it applies to any intimate relationship that the reality is that it's never 50-50, that it's mm-hmm. closer to 90-10. Yeah. And so Brene t- says that her and her husband have a practice when they come, they come home, her husband will be like, I'm so sorry, but I'm at a 20. And she'll be like, all right, that's fine. I got your 80 and vice versa. And if they figure out that they can't add up to 100, they'll sit down and find a way to get back to 100. And if they're not even at a 50, it's like, well, let's cancel everything that's not uh, 100% important. Right. Let's, you know, any of our plans we have, if we have to talk to anybody that we're not like super jazzed about it, let's stop. Let's put all our healthy food in the fridge. Let's go get pizza. Let's get ice cream. Let's spoil ourselves and find a way. We have yet to establish something like that, but it sounds amazing in the sense that you're having this continual dialogue dialogue yeah. between it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, because we've even talked about it, like, hey, I need to talk to you. And then the <laughs> immediate anxiety. <laughs> it's like, hey, I need to talk to you. Ah. I need to talk to you in person. Because then it could be anything, yeah. right? And so making it a daily practice to check in with the other and it not being some big thing, it just becomes a habit, then yeah. I think that sounds awesome. I mean, I feel like I've always chosen guys that are not emotionally available. So it's just really valuable and special like that you're willing to share how you're feeling and share your emotions. So I appreciate that. Totally. And I think for me, I enjoyed finding edgy partners or <laughs> that were nothing like me. What do you mean I'm not edgy? Is this edgy enough? <laughs> no comment. He got quiet. Um, Sorry to interrupt. Well, I once again, knight in shining armor, I enjoyed being the fixer. Like, I had a partner that the first night I met them, they told me that they had a suicide attempt. And I was like, oh boy, I can't wait to fix this person. <laughs> Six months down the road, you know, it it's up in flames. Yeah. You know, like on some level I enjoyed folks that weren't emotionally healthy because that gave me purpose to try to heal right. them. Right. But then like it takes away from the work we're supposed to be doing on ourselves. Well, that's exactly what it was. It yeah. was purposely a method of not dealing with my own shit. I mean, I don't think it was probably that conscious though. Okay. Do you, maybe I mean, do you probably uh, coin flip, maybe both. Like you were consciously like, Oh, my shit's too big for me to handle. So yeah, I feel like I wouldn't be able to be aware of the, like you were that mindful. I don't know if I can speak for myself five, ten years ago, but I think so. Like, Interesting. I want to fix this person in an effort to avoid fixing myself. Right. And I, 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 so for me, it was, I don't think it was ever lack of self-awareness. It was lack of self-compassion. Like I knew the ways in which that I wasn't being healthy to myself, but I either didn't care or didn't have methods to right. do the opposite. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're doing a good job and we're just staying like compassionate and vulnerable and transparent. And I gave Davis a side eye yesterday. That was pretty funny. 
But we didn't fight about it. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. And my whole thing, too, is like this is still a young relationship. Um, and I think it would be fun to revisit this in six months to a year. And Yeah, we'll see if I let him come on my podcast again. We'll see. We'll see about that. But the approach I had, and I think Madeline resonated very well with it, is like whether this relationship lasts four days or 400 years, I just want openness and honesty to lead the way. Yeah. That like there's no sense. Otherwise, we're just wasting each other's time. Yeah, for sure. We're making a conscious decision to be in this relationship. We might as well be ha- conscious. Have yeah, put in our best effort to nurture ourselves and each other. And it's it's hard for me to internalize that there are things that I'll never be able to help you with. You know, that are only yours to work on. You know, because like I said, my tendency is to want to help. Yeah. If if you guys know Enneagrams at all. I'm like a almost equal two and a nine. So two is the helper and nine is the peacemaker. So I want peace and help in your life. And Give me balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you would do a really good job of emotionally supporting me. And I think that's a big, a big deal. Right. But I, I think that. I'm at the level of emotional maturity where I no longer get off on that. Like I used to get right, some right, yeah, sense yeah. of satisfaction of like, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, that's right. You feel supported. Yeah. Thanks for supporting me. You're welcome. Thanks for supporting me. Hell yeah. You're welcome. So talking about all this balance and how it is created in our lives and kind of why it's important to do it, um, I was thinking about different ways that could go about trying to create it in your life and kind of things that I try to be conscious of and aware and focus on. So I think something that I still struggle with, but always remembering to trust the process and trusting that balance is never going to, it's never going to always just be this like completely perfectly still. It's just always like oscillating between two sides but I mean it doesn't have to be like whoa 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 whoa. (laughs) that sounded like some media music um yeah but I found a lot I was reading this article on psychology today by F. Diane Barth she's a licensed clinical social worker but I really liked her quote she said finding balance is a lifetime project it's ongoing it's not a finite goal at the end of which you will have a peaceful calm and meaningful life balance is a way of living it's a process and I just that really resonated because I'm just really quick to be like oh I need to get it all together but it's like it comes and it goes and just it's just like riding the wave and you just have to like stick with it go with it and stuff like that totally well it's like these pithy cliche sayings are that for a reason you know like it's a journey not a destination you can roll your eyes at that but I think as I was starting to understand how to be an adult it like before I knew what balance was I felt like one day I'm going to wake up and everything's going to be perfect Mm -hmm. nothing's going to be hard I've got it all figured out Right. And I think that was almost a barrier to my growth and that any day that I wasn't living in that level of perfection was I had failed. Yeah. That sounds yucky. Yeah. 
I think another important part of creating balance in your life is working on your goals and figuring out what those goals are for you, short-term goals, long-term goals, and then also learning how to prioritize them. And I feel like the more specific you get with your goals, the better. And so learning to, okay, my goal is to exercise five days this week and just like breaking it down into really specific things. So Tuesday, I plan on going to the park for an hour and that way you can say, okay, cool. I met my goal on to the next one, stuff like that. And another part of creating balance is just remembering it's like meta balance, but just there's going to be good and there's going to be bad and there's going to be accomplishments and there's going to be failures and learning that it's okay to have the two because you can't really have one without the other. And that I think that just understanding that will kind of just lend to a more balanced lifestyle. And I mean, whether you're accomplishing something or you're failing something, you're always growing and you're always learning and just kind of having that mindset, I think will keep you from teetering on like the extremes and Davis's favorite part, self-compassion and remembering to love yourself the whole, the whole time. And just like, for me, I've always been really critical and judgmental, but I think that that keeps me in this like extreme of just like never doing enough and never being enough. And so remembering to be patient with myself and hold space for myself and just love myself kind of keeps me on track and keeps me grounded and stuff like that. Right. Well, we were talking the other day that, you know, I think we've both done a really good job of transcending from this level of self-deprecation to a level of humility that I don't have to beat myself up, but I also don't have to be an egomaniac. You know, that's, we were talking about like that if you become, you know, a world famous DJ and make, zillions of dollars that I think you would still be pretty grounded in doing it. I hope so. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah. That these things that we struggled with, that ultimately we can transmute them into something really healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Well, I think that about wraps up everything about balance that we wanted to talk about, right? I think so. I mean, it's a never-ending story. What song is that? You never, oh, man. The never-ending story. Oh, I don't think I saw that. Turn around. I don't like to watch movies sometimes. It's okay. Um, so thanks so much, Davis, for sharing your life. Totally. If you're interested in joining me for meditation, my brother and I have a meditation class Tuesday nights at 7.30 at Delta Groove Yoga in Overton Square in Memphis, Tennessee in the United States. Um, If you're interested in learning a little bit more about meditation and you're not really hip to Buddhism and that seems a little too woo-woo, or if you're looking for something a little more secular, I highly suggest it's a book called The Mindful Brain. I believe it's by Daniel Siegel, um, and it goes through a very scientific, rigorous approach of the meditation 
experience and the benefits that can come from that. Um, one really cool thing is they studied that there were similar uh, positive benefits to meditation as there were in secure parent-child relationships, which I find kind of mind-blowing. Um, yeah. And he goes into like the neuroscience of a lot of it. So if you're interested in meditation, like nerdy stuff, it's a really awesome book. And um, Do you own it? I own the audiobook, and okay. I'd be happy to share. Because I love the science. Science rules. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I was yeah. a little nervous, but I think this worked out just fine. Yeah. Davis wanted to talk for four hours, but he got pretty close. Um, yeah, so... That's all I have to say about balance. And next week is my birthday. So I'm going to try to figure out what I want to talk about. I'll be 27. So I feel like I've learned some things in this existence. But yeah, stay tuned. And if you want to follow me on Instagram uh, at Embrace the Madness podcast, you can see some cool stuff. I appreciate the little underground facility that we're using to record this and all the equipment, and I'm grateful. Thanks, Davis, for hooking all this up. This is Madeline and Davis, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Embrace the Madness. Don't forget to subscribe so you can learn to live your best life. <laughs>